All right. It's me again, but but actually it's Sam. So I want to introduce my wife this morning. She's absolutely brilliant. When Greg asked us to share uh, because he was going to be away, Sam said, I'd really, really like to share about this specific topic because it's not preached about a lot. And I said, yes, boss, because I'm in. And it's a privilege to share with her this morning. I'll just chip in my five cents every now and again, but uh, she's going to carry the bulk of this this morning. And I, I do think it's, a, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing word that's not preached about enough, but it's a word that can, that can uh, set us free. Yeah, so let's pray this morning and we'll get ready. So we just uh, bless your word this morning as we share it, Father, to our hearts. We open our hearts and we receive because we want to be a people that are equipped, that want to grow and want to move forward. So uh, bless Sam as she shares and bless myself as I uh, share this morning and bless your people as they receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A good husband is well trained. He knows where his five cents lies. <laughs> He's got a lot more than five cents to share today, I'm just telling you. <laughs> right, so the pursuit of happiness, okay? Who here wants to live the good life, okay? Who knows what the good life looks like, okay? And I'm sure all of you have some idea of what the good life means to you, right? And most of us are actually quite simple in what it means to live the good life. I don't want to live in the Impisani's house with five million rooms and Mercedes and Porsches and whatever. I don't care about all that stuff. I just want... A happy family, right? Good relationships. I want a healthy body, healthy children. I want, it's not a lot. <laughs> I want uh, enough salary to pay my monthly expenses, pay my school fees, perhaps buy a few eggs if you're lucky. <laughs> and with the price of eggs today. But most of us just want our needs met, right? Our daily needs met. And that is what we are pursuing, right? That's why we have jobs. That's why we do what we do. We run around keeping ourselves busy because we're all trying to set up the good life, okay? And um, my gran, <laughs> we bless my gran, uh, we have some very fond memories of her. She was a very interesting character. And there was two things about my gran that I remember. Number one, that she would do every week. Number one, she'd buy you magazine, which we weren't allowed to read, but we loved to have a little squiz because it was like tabloid of the day. And the second thing that she would buy every week was a lotto ticket, right? And she would have this little saying and she'd say, no, no, but don't worry because one day when I win the lotto, everything's going to be fine. Occasionally we'd be out having tea and scones and Gran would say, no, don't worry, I've got this. I'm going to win the lottery anyway. <laughs> and so after Gran passed away, um, it was one December holiday, Kirstie and I were both on leave um, at the same time, which is fantastic for us girls. So uh, we sat around the pool one day and we had this brainwave. We said, you know what? Gran had passed away that year. In honor of Gran's memory, we really should start entering the lotto. <laughs> Uh, this is on the back of COVID where we had lost a whole lot of income and things were not so easy anymore. So we, we, came, we hatched a plan to enter the lotto, but we didn't even know how to buy lotto tickets, right? <laughs> so so Kirsty was the, the lamb led to the slaughter. She decided she was gonna go to the shop and find out how to buy a lotto ticket, but it was a little bit embarrassing because now you have to go to the tailor and say like, 
how does this whole thing work, right? We, we only wanted to spend 10 rand. Anyway, she was about to leave the shop, and what, because she decided it wasn't worth her while, you know, it was too embarrassing, and what song came on, you'll never guess. You're one in a million, one in a lifetime. <laughs> and suddenly, it was like the heavens opened and the light shone down and we just knew it had to be. So the lotto ticket was bought. And that weekend, I think we spent a whole Saturday in a pool <laughs> planning our winnings, right? We had planned she was going to buy the house next door. Um, we were going on a girls' getaway to Mauritius. We were leaving the guys behind. Naaman was going to look after the children. Um, we had even planned how much money we were going to give to each family member who needed it. There was so much financial planning to do with money we didn't have. It was very intense. And so for an afternoon, we had a, a dream. <laughs> but this is what life is like, right? We always set ourselves up with a dream and an expectation. Okay, maybe that's not as extreme as the lottery, <laughs> but there's definitely a dream and expectation that happens. And it's really disappointing when life is hard and you just never seem to reach the dream. The dream of the good life is where we get unstuck because we so focus on the life we wanna have, the ideal standard, that when I get the job, I will be happy. When I get that promotion, I will have enough. When this relationship is sorted out, then I will be at peace. And it's always just out of reach because it's very shallow goals because those things don't always go so smoothly in life. But perhaps we have it all upside down. We wanna get our circumstances to line up according to our expectations, but perhaps it's not about getting your circumstances to line up. Perhaps it's about learning to live a life of contentment, okay? And learning to live a life of trust where we realize that no matter what happens in our life, God is gonna work it together for our good. You see, the good life is not about having everything you ever needed or wanted. It is about being content in every circumstance. Philippians 4, verses 11 to 13, we know the scripture very well. I have learned to be content in every circumstance, to know what it is to be in need, to know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether I'm well-fed or whether I'm hungry. I, don't, I have never really gone a day without being hungry, with being hungry, I mean, unless you're fasting, right? But in those days, I mean, people were literally hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do this all things through Christ who gives me strength. And there is a practice in scripture, and this is actually one that we wanna talk about this morning, which leads us into this place of contentment. And the practice is called gratitude, okay? It's not something that we often talk about, and in fact, I think it's something that's very undervalued in our lives. We don't actually realize that this, it's actually like a weapon that God has given us to be used in our difficult circumstances. It's a very, very important practice. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we see over and over again, Jesus giving thanks to the Father in every situation. And this is what we are called to. Perhaps it's not the pursuit of happiness, perhaps it should be the pursuit of gratitude. <clears throat> Thessalonians 5 verse 16 to 18 says, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. And it's very easy to give thanks in good circumstances. It's very easy to have gratitude when everything is going well, but it's not so easy when the going gets tough. 
And the wonderful thing is there's actually a scripture, it's like a lens, that if we understand this particular scripture, then all of this becomes possible. And that scripture is also one that you know very, very well. And it's Romans 8 verse 28, right? And we know this, that God works all things according to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You see, God weaves an incredible tapestry. In our worst moments, God can turn that into our best moments. But if we don't believe it, if we don't have a revelation of the scripture that no matter what is going on, God can use that very circumstance, the absolute worst circumstance that you could ever imagine to happen in your life, God can use that very thing because he is that powerful. But sometimes we don't believe it. We're so focused on that difficult thing that we, don't, we forget that God can use that difficult thing for his glory in your life. And all things doesn't just refer to difficult circumstances. All things also refers to when you mess up, which is wonderful news. <laughs> because a lot of the difficulty in our life actually happens because of the poor decisions that we make. <laughs> but God's grace is so incredible that he takes the very thing where you tripped up and you made the wrong decision and you bought the wrong thing or you, you chose the wrong direction you ended up with the wrong person that you shouldn't be with, right? And God, if you allow him to work with his Holy Spirit in your life, can work that thing for your good, which is absolutely incredible. And at this point, I'm gonna hand over to Mr. Five Cents. <laughs> I love my wife, as you can see, very much. It's easy to give thanks and it's, it's easy to express gratitude when she treats me well. When she doesn't treat me well, it's very, very difficult to be grateful for a lovely wife, eh? But yet God calls us to do that. That's what marriage is, and it's a sacrifice. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the young people, they don't know what's coming. Everyone on the side, they were quiet. Everyone on the side, they don't know what's coming. I think it was Jordan Peterson who said, is uh, a Canadian psychologist, he said that the pursuit of happiness is a fleeting goal. He said, you want to set yourself a goal to be happy? Maybe, like Sam said, if I could just win the lotto, I'll be happy. And then you don't win the lotto. It's a goal that gets taken out just like that. And then you're unhappy. <clears throat> rather, rather pursue gratitude because gratitude makes life more meaningful. It makes life more meaningful through the good times and through the bad times. And then you can say, I've lived a life and I've lived it well because of this posture of gratitude. And you do understand, gratitude is a posture of the heart, like love is a posture of the heart. The outworking of gratitude is thanksgiving. Yeah? So gratitude is a posture of the heart. The outworking, the manifestation of it in our natural lives is thanksgiving, where we set moments aside to thank God, to be thankful, to offer thanks. Love is the same. It's a posture of the heart. The, the outworking of love is sacrifice, hmm? is long-suffering, <laughs> is patience, is kindness. That's the outworking of love. That's the visibility that we see stemming from the posture. Now, I want to clarify a few things. 
nowhere in the scripture, because uh, Sam was talking about giving thanks or having a heart of gratitude through the good times and the bad times. And for difficult situations and for good situations, and it's easy to give thanks when the going's good. When the going's bad and when there's trouble brewing, it's hard to give thanks, eh? But knowing scripture does it say that we should give, because people say, well, you're talking about, what do you mean? In all things give thanks, or the scripture. We know that all things work together for good, all things. What, the good and the bad? Yes, the good and the bad. But nowhere does God say, give thanks for evil. Okay, so when we say all things, I just want to qualify that. So people will come and say to me after this, are you saying then we should give thanks for evil? No, nowhere in the Bible does God say, tell us to give thanks for evil. But we know this, that even when the, in, the enemy intends evil, God will turn it around for good. Hey? That's what the scripture promises us. Even though the enemy intends evil, God will turn it around for good. But we don't give thanks for evil, right? We're not saying that we must give thanks for wars and natural disasters. No, we don't do that. This, when we talk about gratitude, it's a thing between you and God. It's a personal matter. It's not the world and God. It's you and God. And so I just want to just drop four points, leave four points with us today, and then we want to do a little application. Actually, five points. I'll do four, and Sam will do the last one, and then we're just going to leave three application points, and that's how this is going to go. I think if we can see this scripture more clearly, and if we understand it and we get a deeper re revelation of this scripture, I think we'll be quicker to give thanks for all things in our lives, the good and the difficult. And I remember, Irene, when you shared the other week about that story, and really that, that got me thinking, because it's easy to celebrate life when the going's good, but when the going's not so good, it's really, really hard to say, God, I thank you for for that situation, you know, and what has happened. But Irene's story was that they were moving a house and they had hired this truck and they'd got a driver to drive it and then they had this accident on the highway and the truck broke down and it just, it just got worse and worse. It was like a movie when she was kind of relaying the story and the furniture was all on the, on, on the road and, you know, there were just a whole lot of stuff happening. The truck started to roll back and almost crashed the car with kids in it. I was like, wow, Irene, you should make a movie about that. And, and then she said, in that moment, when you saw what was happening, it was hard to understand that God was still involved in their lives. And out of that story came this amazing story that this guy who was called to the ministry in that moment said, yes, um, maybe I get the story wrong, but he became a pastor, the guy who was there, he became a pastor, and he started this church, and that church has 30,000 people in it, and it's like, God, you are weaving the good stuff in my life, the bad stuff in my life, where I've made bad decisions maybe, and where I slipped up, and I've done something wrong, using everything in my life for your amazing story, and you're weaving this amazing tapestry, you know, and I thought, wow, Irene, that's such a great story, and gratitude is like that. Gratitude turns our worst moments into our best moments in God's eyes. Isn't that an amazing thing? I remember going camping, guys. We went camping with Ray and Penny. We've been camping a few Quite a few times we've been camping, but we're novice. We're really bad at camping. You can ask my kids. They are here with us this morning. And like we're really, really bad at camping. And every time we've gone camping, there was a natural disaster. 
And I'm thinking, Lord, are you speaking to me? Maybe I shouldn't go camping because it's not for me. The, we went camping with Ray and Penny. We went to the Golden Gate, I remember, and we had set up our tents um, under a beautiful tree, and lo and behold, that night, the mother of all storms came through the valley, demolished tents, uprooted trees. I was like, water was flooding into our tent. The kids, Kine was like five years old. He was crying like a baby. It was like, it was like, it was like a movie. It was like a movie. Like, why would you leave Roger, your lovely warm bed, and then go camp under some tree with a storm plunging through your valley? It's like, there's got to be better ways to have fun. <laughs> and you think I would have learned my lesson. Two years later, I had convinced a friend of mine in this church who had never camped a day in his life. And I said, bro, you know what? This is going to be great for the kids. Let's go. We went to the same place, Golden Gate. <clears throat> and, and we had two tents there. And, and I... I just, I don't know what I was thinking. I no, went with on, a hang lamp. On, hang on, I have to tell you something. Okay. <laughs> I knew we were in trouble when he opened the trailer. And you know what he took out the trailer for? Our light source. One of our bedside lamps. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> hey, light is light, eh? Light is light. And so, it's, lo and behold, it started to rain. And the only umbrella I took was a beach umbrella. <laughs> and so, here's my friend. You know this guy. He's standing there with his beach umbrella made out of cloth, and the water's just coming all the way through, <laughs> drenching. So, Sam makes this amazing meal of pasta, spaghetti bolognese, right? And, and she goes to strain this spaghetti, and there's a little grass drain that leads, in, that leads down to the stream, and she drops the whole thing. That was going to be our supper that night. So I say, babes, babes, don't worry. You know what I'm doing? I'm going to try and salvage some of this pasta from the drain. Because we, now I promise you, otherwise, we would, Paul says, I know what it is to be hungry and starving. You know, I promise you, I was thinking, yeah, that could be us tonight, baby. So... These friends of ours, no names mentioned, they park in on the top. I'm like, babes, I'm going to salvage some of this pasta. So, yeah, I am. I've got this bowl. I'm picking the pasta up, the ones where, that hasn't been touched by the sand. And I'm just trying to get the stuff on the top. And my friend comes and he sees me bringing this bowl of pasta out the drain. He's like, bro, is it our supper? It's your supper. <laughs> It's like when you're living the moment, it's hectic, right? When you're going through life, it's hectic. But when you retell the story, it's humorous. It's beautiful. In fact, the worse it is going through life in that moment, the more people laugh when you retell the story. You notice that. It wasn't funny eating food out the drain, but you guys laughed the most when I said that. It was like, what? These guys are desperate or what? Yes, we were. It's, it's the same with gratitude. Gratitude. God, when you have this grateful heart, 
about the good times and the bad times, and you're honest and you're real about it, he retells your story under his grace, and your worst moments become your best moments. Because why? You've chosen to put your hands in the hands of the maker. And that's a beautiful thing. That's what gratitude does. Number two, gratitude is about seeing God right. You know, we sing that song, MBL, Met by Love. Fantastic group. Listen to them. And they write this song, Seeing God Right. And I thought, well, what are they writing about seeing God right? Well, we must get a healthy perspective of God, who we are and who God is. And gratitude is all about seeing God right, that he is the master and he is creating a masterpiece in me. And I remember a couple of years ago, we had invited this master chef to come home and visit. He was a very good, close uh, family friend, and he had just um, got his qualification. And we said, hey, come around, Danny, and uh, why don't you make us a meal? He said, I got the perfect meal for you guys. I said, fantastic. And he says, I'm going to make... I'm going to put these ingredients together to make the most amazing meal. And so he said, the first thing is fish sauce. Have you ever smelled fish sauce? <laughs> Those people on the top clearly haven't smelled fish sauce because they're not even laughing. They don't know what's coming. I promise you, you can smell fish sauce a mile away. It's that bad. It's revolting, actually. And he put, he, no, he put a teaspoon of it in front of my nose. I had to go wash my nose because I couldn't get that smell out of my nostrils. It was revolting. Fish sauce is bad. And then he said, I'm going to do oysters with that. And I don't like oysters. Not many people do. Some of us, some of us enjoy oysters. But I'm thinking, like, what's the point? It's like swallowing seawater. That's all. And so, anyway, Danny, he, he brings out these ingredients. And I'm thinking, like, how are you going to make something out of that, bro? And he starts to cook. And he starts to prepare and he starts to put ingredients together that only a master chef knows how to. And at the end of this, he comes and he says, it's done. I've made you something and I tasted it. The seafood thing he made. And I was like, oh my word. Don't tell me you used the bad ingredients I didn't like. He says, yeah, I used that as well. I used the good stuff. I used the bad stuff, the stuff you liked, the stuff you didn't like. I put it together and I made this masterpiece. And it was the most magnificent dish I'd ever tasted. And going through life is like that sometimes. God takes the bad, like Irene's story, the bad moments, the difficult moments, and the good moments, and he produces something that's a masterpiece. And, it, and that can only be accomplished in the hands of the master chef and that's God and so the things I didn't like when it comes under the hands of the master chef are things that I end up liking you know and that's just a beautiful thing and only gratitude can teach me that number three gratitude is the posture of the heart that demonstrates that we have chosen to partner with God no matter what it's like I know I've got this partner but that relationship works on this relationship of love and gratitude. It's like being thankful for who God is. And gratitude is the chemistry that causes beautiful things to grow. And I, I was a chemist for many years. I worked for an American company as a chemist running their laboratories in South Africa. And I know a thing or two about chemistry. And I know if you get the chemistry wrong, like, I mean, most of you will understand this with your lawns at home or your gardens. If the chemistry is wrong, then you can get wrong things to grow. You'll get weeds 
to grow better if the chemistry is wrong than grass, for example. But if you get the chemistry right in your soil, then you'll get beautiful green grass, you know. It all depends with the chemistry. And for me, gratitude is a chemistry that causes beautiful things to grow. And Bill John Johnson had to say this. He said, the absence of thankfulness is self-trust. It's like, no, no, I'm going to do this alone. I don't need God's. I don't need a partner. I'm going to get through life. And it's just the wrong chemistry, hey? And you end up getting into trouble, and then you can't find a way out. But gratitude is the posture of the heart that keeps us walking with God and keeps us partnering with Him because He knows the way and we don't. He's a partner that will never leave us and never forsake us. He is a partner that will be with us to the end of the world. And that's what gratitude opens our eyes to see. And number four, a life of gratitude keeps us focused on Him. Not on life, because we so easily become distracted by life. But if we're just focused on God, then life becomes more meaningful. It just becomes easier to live our lives. It opens the gates into God's presence. You know what does that? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving opens the gates into God's presence. Now, there's a scripture in Psalms that says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. Where? In my heart. And then I will enter his courts with praise. Why? Because in the Old Testament, there was this temple. They had to go through this process of the outer gates, then the gate of praise, then the outer courts, then the inner courts. It was huge, like formula all these rituals and stuff. No, we don't do that. We simply come to Jesus and we're in the presence of God. But still, there's something to be said for this gate called thanksgiving. The aim of going through that gate was to get to the presence of God. And today when we are thankful in our lives for what God is doing in our lives or for the good times and the not so good times, what we are saying is, we are saying that God we want to get into your presence. And that's worship for me. Thanksgiving is a form of worship. Being grateful or a heart of gratitude is about living in the presence of God. That's what it is. It's about living in the presence of God. Yeah. And, and I'm going to hand over now to Sam who's going to share that fifth point with you. Yeah. It's really good. <clears throat> the other thing and this is the last one we want to share for now, and then we're going to go into a bit of application. The other thing that um, gratitude does is it changes, it redefines the moment. So it redefines the moment from a place of pain into a place of anticipation, because you know that good is coming out of this difficult place. And that's a really beautiful thing, because if you, if you live life and your life is defined by that pain or that difficult circumstance, then you just sit in that. But God, in his grace, and through the act and the practice of gratitude and thanksgiving, redefines that moment into a moment of expectation. And why is that expectation? Because we know that our Father is good. And because we know that we have a revelation of Romans 8.28 that says all things will work together. If we don't believe it and if we don't practice and we don't have a revelation of it, then it's very hard to turn from that difficult place into a place of anticipation. Sometimes your situation takes a long time to change, right? 
And I think the longer it takes to change, the harder it is to sit in that place of anticipation and gratitude. But that's why it's a practice, right? That's why it's something that we have to actually instill in our lives as a practice so that we can remain in a place of anticipation for the good that is coming. God gives you the strength to walk through those moments when you practice gratitude. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because I know that you are with me. And God is building in us to be a people of gratitude and a thankful people. We live in an environment, especially in our country, where I think South Africans are like the best at complaining. I think we have got it down to a fine art. (laughs) And obviously, it's like, you know, when you don't have water and you don't have this, and then the electricity goes out, and it's like, it's NC, and it's NC, and it's like so irritating. Vote. Change the government, people. You know, I mean... (laughs) Obviously, we all do that. We all say that. But we're so good at that, right? But, it's be, but we, how are we going to be the light unless we learn to live in a place of gratitude? And obviously, we, it's, I'm not saying don't acknowledge the difficulties, right? Because there's nothing more irritating than like someone who just doesn't acknowledge or they just pretend it doesn't exist, right? Because it feels so fake. So I'm not saying don't acknowledge it. But when we begin to move from that into a place of gratitude, we really do become the light to the people around us. The act of obedience actually shapes, the act of obedience by faith, should I say, in this attitude of gratitude. (laughs) That's so 80s. (laughs) It's like 1980s Christianity. Your attitude of gratitude. Um, But the act of obedience by faith shapes your emotions, right? So you don't have to feel gratitude before you practice gratitude. And I think that's really important because we're all waiting to feel a bit better before we enter into that place of thanksgiving or that place of gratitude with God. But actually, when you begin to act in obedience and you say, you know what, this is really hard, but I'm going to do this out of faith and obedience because I believe that God is good, And then suddenly that shapes your emotions rather than the other way around, allowing your emotions to shape how you relate to God. Okay, so we just wanted to share three things. I mean, obviously there's other things that you can do, but just maybe three practical ways because it's very easy to say, oh, we've got to become grateful and this is, you know, but how do we actually do it? And that's how we're going to end off today. So the first thing I thought about when I thought about gratitude was like how do you actually practice, you know, gratitude if it's so important and I, I think you know to, if you're going to practice something start your day with it because it kind of shapes the rest of your day or sets the tone for the rest of the day so when you get up in the morning often you know we think about well what have I got to do for the day and then you just think about all these problems like I've got to do this I've got to do that and then I've got to do that but if you really set time aside at the beginning of your day and say God I'm so grateful you know, when you're spending time reading the scriptures or you're spending time um, praying, and start with gratitude and say, God, I really am grateful for, for what I have. And just think about the stuff you have. You know, maybe your family, maybe you've had a bed to sleep on and you're not camping, and, you know, and uh, you've got a roof above your head, or, you know, for your kids or for your wife. Um, just start this. Just start because... That kind of shapes the rest of your day. It sets the tone for your rest of the day. And we can all do that. We can all do that. Very, it's, you know what I was saying? I was saying to Sam when we were chatting about this last, it reminds me of power steering. Now, for, for, for those of us that drive 
you know it's incredibly difficult to turn um, the steering of your car when the, when the engine isn't running. You do know that. It's like, you ever try to turn that steering? It's hard. It's because there's a, there's a pump, there's a compressor that kicks in and that assists you when you turn your steering, you know. And when you, I was thinking like, yeah, that's like power steering, man. When you, when you turn left or right or when you set the direction for your day first thing in the morning, the Holy Spirit comes with this power and he says, I'm just going to add some force in that direction because that's the direction they're turning. And so when you practice gratitude the first thing in the morning, it's like the Holy Spirit just partners with you. He just blows wind into your sail. He says, this is the way you're going and this is the way I'm going to assist you. It's like power steering. You just give him direction and he just come and he just does the rest. And so when we do that, it kind of just shapes our, our day and you don't have to carry that. It's like the Holy Spirit just doing it. So I just want to encourage you, start with being grateful. If it's a five-minute prayer, God, thank you. Thank you for my life. Thank you that I could open my eyes today. Thank you for the sunrise. Just start by thanking, and that kind of just shapes the rest of your day. Second point. That's great. And I'm sure many of you will have experienced this. You may have started your day great <laughs> with prayer and thanksgiving and so spiritual. <laughs> and then something happens along the way, like a bit of road rage or something. Who knows? I had that this week. Not me. But anyway, I was the victim of road rage. <laughs> it's a story for another day. Um, but something can happen during the day and that shakes you, right? And then suddenly you, you've shifted gears and now this, this whole thing of having a grateful heart and all that is kind of not so important anymore. And what do you do with that? Like when you've had a really tough time, what do you, what do, you do with that? And I just love King David um, and the Psalms because when you read the Psalms, right, he does complain. Like, it's very obvious. <laughs> he complains quite a bit. <laughs> but rather than dumping it on your husband or your wife or the next person next to you or taking out your irritation on the person, the first place we should run to is run to God and literally dump your complaints on God because that's what the scripture says, right? It says, share your burdens. Do this. Pray to God. Okay, we don't have to be afraid that God's going to get offended, that we're a little bit annoyed or a little bit frustrated, right? And David does it so beautifully because he doesn't just stop there and complain and complain and then he allows God to work in him and then by the end of the psalm you'll see there's this incredible praise that begins to happen and how suddenly the gear is shifted and I'll just quickly read Psalm 13 right and I'm going to read it from the message translation because he just makes it in it's such modern language should I say because often we don't relate properly because we don't necessarily relate to the older kind of language, but he, he says this. This is David speaking. Long enough, God, you have ignored me long enough. Imagine telling God, stop ignoring me, God. <laughs> I've asked you. I've looked at the back of your head long enough. Long enough have I carried all this ton of trouble, right? I've lived with a stomach full of pain. <laughs> long enough have my arrogant enemies looked down at their noses on me. Take a good look at me, God. Oh, my God. I want to look life in the eye so that no enemy can get the best of me or laugh at me when I fall on my face. Very negative, very like, you know, God, I'm really annoyed with you right now. You haven't answered my prayer. And all of a sudden, he starts saying, so I've thrown myself headlong into your arms and I'm celebrating your rescue. Like, is this even the same guy? And he says, I'm singing at the top of my lungs. All of a sudden, he's singing praise to God. I'm so full of answered prayers. <laughs> 
Now, do you think God answered his prayer in that very moment? No, he still had those enemies. It's not like God answered him and then he said, oh my gosh, I'm so full of answered prayers. Thank you, God, for this. And then he starts thanking. No, he starts thanking God in advance, right? And you know, when you write an email, you're trying to, you're trying to get a deal, you're trying to sell something. I know, I'm in sales, so I do this. And I'm hoping for this deal to come through and write a little email and then you write on the bottom there, thanking you in advance. In other words, thank you for the order. I know you're gonna give it to me. <laughs> All right, and it's the same process with God. Bring your complaints to God. But we have to really begin to evaluate if all we do is complain and moan and there's just a lot of negativity around us, we need to assess what's going on in our hearts because God really wants to shift that in us because it sets us free. It really does set us free. And over to you, babes, the last one. Yeah, sometimes I do say to Sam, thanks for the meal in advance, babes. <laughs> but you know, gratitude helps us see the big picture. We often live our lives in moments and we see this picture, but we don't know how it plays into God's plan, hey? And so gratitude helps us know that it's all going to be fine. It's all going to work out. All things work together for good. To them who love God and call to his purposes. So that's what gratitude does. But there's this other thing. This practice here is a great practice. And we can try this. I'm going to end this. This is my last point. Um, we, we can all practice this today. But practice gratitude by setting time aside for thanksgiving. See, the posture of the heart is gratitude. The outworking is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving looks like something. It's when you gather maybe around the table. Um, maybe now when you go home and you, you have lunch. Maybe you can just maybe get together with your family and say, you know what? That, that, that word today that names in Sham, Sam, Sham, Sam, Sham. I'm going to be in trouble. Shame. <laughs> Shambles. That, that word that names and Sam shared this morning was great. Maybe, but do something with it. Otherwise, you lose it, right? And then say, well, let's just get the family around. We're going to have lunch. Now, it could be, you could have rolls and whatever. Uh, but just say, let's just thank God. Let's go around the table. Let's give thanks. Let's make a moment of this and say, well, um, you know, Sam, what have you got to share? What do you want to thank God for? Just the one line. Ah, oh, I thank God for this. Caleb, what do you want to thank God for? Megan, what do you want to thank? We go around the table and say, that's great. And it starts to cement something in terms of the culture for that family. You know? And we all have this then amazing culture that's going, a culture of thanksgiving, born out of a heart of gratitude. We can all do that today. So I challenge you guys to do that. And, and let's develop this muscle, this underdeveloped muscle in our lives. Let's stand. <laughs>